This is it. We've got an Amex Platinum Pro on our hands, ladies and gentlemen. We haven't seen anyone relax like this before in the Centurion Lounge. <sighs> is he connecting to complimentary Wi-Fi? Oh, my. Look at that. He is. And you will not believe where he's going next. The Amex dedicated card member entrance for the win. Unbelievable. When you get travel perks with Amex Platinum, you're part of the action. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more... Right now, you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Good sleep should come naturally. And with the new Natural Hybrid mattress, it can. A collaboration between Lisa and West Elm. The Natural Hybrid is expertly crafted from natural latex, natural wool, and certified safe foams to elevate your sleep sanctuary and support a greener tomorrow. Plus, every purchase helps fuel Lisa's work with shelters and those in need. Don't put off a good night's sleep any longer. Get a Lisa mattress today for a sound sleep tonight. Visit lisa.com slash iHeart. That's l-e-e-s-a dot com slash iHeart. Welcome to Special Teams, a production of iHeartRadio. Greetings and welcome inside another episode of Special Teams with Jason Smith and Mike Harmon, a podcast where we look back at special teams and special years in the history of sports and what made these teams special. Really enjoying the run we're on right now. We are looking back at the special teams taking place in some of the biggest games in football, baseball, basketball history. And we have another big NFL playoff game to break down today and one with a name on it. Well, it doesn't really have a name, but you can title it. When you can title a playoff game, it's a big deal. And uh, we're going to look back at the most recent Browns playoff game which of course was in 2003 uh but it was what is a, that the uh colon it's been a minute yeah it's, yeah, it's been a bit been a bit well i haven't seen you how you doing oh well you know i moved away after college and won the lottery and got married and uh uh that's you look it, well yeah you look like you put on a little bit of weight you still got the brown helmets you've done nothing about that no it's brenda and eddie getting together at uh the scenes from an italian restaurant after all those years <laughs> But this game was legendary, a game in which the Steelers hold on to beat the Browns 36-33. Both teams' quarterbacks did not have long tenures. Uh, It was full of incredible twists and turns, and the Browns nearly pulled off a huge upset. Potentially, you could say they just needed one more second on the clock. 2003. The Steelers and the Browns, January 5th, Heinz Field, start time, 1.01 p.m. But before we get to this, how did both of these teams get to this point of the season for the Pittsburgh Steelers. You're thinking, Oh, was that Roethlisberger? No, this was pre Ben Roethlisberger. Yeah, it was in which the Steelers two years before in 2002 in their draft had a huge draft. You would think, okay, right. No, no, no. In this draft, Antoine Randall L., Chris Hope, 
Brett Kiesel, they signed James Harrison as an undrafted free agent. These are players who would go on to be building blocks and linchpins of great Steelers teams of the future. I mean, this give was, some love to Larry Foote, too. Otherwise, yeah, your wife's going to come yeah. get you. No, that's okay. Anytime I bring up Michigan football now, whether she just kind of blows it off because they can't beat Ohio State. So, you know, she's kind of just okay with it. Do you it. just walk in and throw khaki pants at her now just to taunt her? No words. Yeah, I need those good khaki pants from Lululemon. All right, so get those for me because those I'll wear. They're like 125 bucks. Uh, uh, Christmas is coming. Uh, but this situation at quarterback for the Steelers coming into the year was it was Cordell Stewart's team, right? Cordell Stewart was the dual option quarterback of the millennium. Now, every team wants a player like Cordell Stewart, but he was the guy, he and Randall Cunningham were credited as being the quarterbacks to show everybody, hey, you know what? These guys can do a lot. Don't worry about them being one-dimensional. They can throw the football. They can make plays with their legs. That's who Cordell Stewart was. Cordell Stewart was fantastic. He was the offensive player of the year in 2001. But since he came into the league as Slash, because he came in, all right, maybe he's not a quarterback, but he could play wide receiver, running back. He made his mark being able to do all of these things in the late 90s. He could throw the football once in a while, but he's a good wide receiver. Finally, the Steelers said, we're going to put him at quarterback, and Cordell Stewart was terrific. But it was a roller coaster ride. Some years he was really good, some games he was really good, but still, he made too many mistakes. He had been on this ride with Cordell Stewart since 1997. In fact, one year he lost a job to Kent Graham before he got it back, but his talent allowed him to stay around a long time. And he goes into the season as the starting quarterback of the Pittsburgh Steelers. However, against Cleveland, in week four, he throws a really bad pick into double coverage into the end zone. And for Bill Cower, this was the last straw. This was, I'm done, and we are going to Tommy Maddox at quarterback. Maddox, who would come into this year with a lot of hype behind him. He hadn't thrown a pass in the NFL since 1995, but resurrected his career with big season in the XFL in 2001. Hey, maybe this guy can play well. He was someone who... Steelers fans were always itching to see, can this guy play quarterback? You know, Cordell Stewart, the turnovers, I want to pull my hair out. Let's see if Tommy Maddox can play. Again, a guy who hadn't thrown a pass in the NFL <laughs> since 1995, and Steelers fans are saying, boy, I really hope Tommy Maddox can get it done for us. Well, you always love an underdog story. Uh, I mean, he got you an XFL uh he did fantasy title XFL fantasy title him and Joe Aska and Jose Cortez. I still remember a lot of the good players uh, on my yeah, XFL Cortez fantasy was automatic, team. but, but we look at the way this roster was constructed and certainly for Tommy Maddox, uh, Cordell Stewart. And you look at the schedule, I mean, no, no favors that you have a week three buy. Like, that's just stupid. But <laughs> that, that was the schedule that they had here. They eke out that narrow win against the Browns at home in week four and just shift, trying to see if you can jumpstart the offense, right? You mentioned the arrival of Antoine Randall-L, you know, knowing that you now have a, a guy with, with great aptitude and yak potential you got to figure out how to get the ball in his hands uh get creative and you're still knowing bill cower want to have that power running game working and, and find that balance but what's the best way to really get that off is to have a little more efficiency from the qb position this is a guy who was drafted in 1992 
where Joe Theismann, other analysts said, oh, my goodness, we, we, you know, why are you drafting this kid? He's not ready out of UCLA. Jimmy Johnson did a bit where he said in college we would call him turnover Tommy. You know, you always get him to throw the football <laughs> to you. I mean, this is a guy who came in and he's drafted in, in 92 by the Broncos to be the heir apparent to John Elway. Of course, that doesn't work out. He leaves the NFL to be an insurance salesman. He left. He was done in the NFL. He's done. He wasn't going to do it anymore. But when he got asked to play in the Arena Football League just before the XFL started, he sells his insurance business and says, I'm going to give football another shot. And he gets back in, and he, by crazy circumstances, meaning Cordell Stewart being unable to stop throwing oh, interceptions, yeah. he gets the starting job with the Steelers, and he goes on a big run, and the Steelers go to the playoffs and they wind up with an 11-5-1 record after it's all said and done. Maddox has a big year and suddenly Maddox is the guy. After a journey in which it took him 11 years to get to this point, he winds up being the quarterback. In fact, they believed in him so much that Maddox got hurt late in this year before they get to the playoffs. He misses two games. Cordell Stewart comes in and wins both of them and he plays really well. And you're like, okay, well, Cordell Stewart's going to get the job back because it was his job. Nope. Bill Cowher says, thanks, Cordell. You're on the bench and Tommy Maddox is our guy. So much so they kept Maddox and they waived Cordell Stewart after the season. That's how much they were stuck on making that move to Tommy Maddox, who after 11 short years suddenly becomes a household name. Well, wanted him to stick around, and while he was there for another three years <laughs> in some capacity. So, yeah, just a, a curious, uh, it's one of those, let's sit down with Bill Cowher and let's talk about those times, right? Because he was even there when uh, Roethlisberger uh, comes into the league and, and is their first-round pick in 2004, and touchdown Tommy's still there. <laughs> Tommy Maddox was in again. I mean, really, he was like Ryan Fitzpatrick, except it took him even longer to get the starting job again. I mean, that, that's that's kind of who Tommy Maddox was. He, he but, would, but he gets to stick around, right? 2002, goes 7-3-1, but the touchdown to interception ratio is 20-16. to 16. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> right? yeah, no, yeah, that's not good. And then the following year, they go 6-10, and 10, showing how this works. 18-17 and 17 is the touchdown to interception rate, <laughs> thus prompting the drafting of Roethlisberger, but still just showing they had a lot of faith that he was still going to bail them out. They win the AFC North, which is brand new that year. Right? Yeah. The first AFC North, so they win at 10-5-1. They go to the playoffs. Where yeah, reconfigured divisions, man. Right. It was, okay, how is this going to work out now? And, and look, I was glad to get the Indianapolis Colts out of the division because I'm like, <laughs> I don't want Peyton Manning beating the crap out of us for all these years. Uh, and they face the Cleveland Browns. Still to this day, their most recent playoff appearance. <laughs> Butch Davis is the head coach. And the season started for them and ended for them in well the way the season started should have told you how the season was going to end because it began with what a big famous play in Browns history where Morton Anderson is kicking for the Chiefs and he misses a field goal that would win the game uh, for them so the Browns are going to win Dwayne Rudd who was a linebacker for the Browns, took his helmet off on the field after the missed field goal to celebrate. <laughs> this is back when taking your helmet off on the field was a penalty that they enforced very strictly. So Dwayne Rudd takes his helmet off. It's a 15-yard penalty. So Morton Anderson gets a much easier chance. He makes the field goal, and they win the game 40-39. <laughs> to 39. You should have known this is the kind of year we're going to be in for with the Cleveland Browns after the season started that way.
It's never boring with the Browns. I mean, it never has been. There's always some curiosity uh, to keep us guessing. Because, I mean, here's a couple of random stats for you to kind of frame what we're talking about here and how important this playoff run was for the Cleveland Browns. Uh, Since 2003, there have been 10 head coaches since Butch Davis. Uh, Welcome in, Kevin Stefanski. Mm -hmm. Uh, 26 quarterbacks have started a game (laughs) since that year. Forget about 1999. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just unbelievable. Uh, So this year, though, the Browns kind of become the new cardiac kids. This was such a roller coaster season, and they won five games in the final two minutes. This was Tim Couch's best season as a Browns quarterback. 18 touchdowns, 18 picks. It was his best year. Well, everybody in this episode was a former Bear. Cordell Stewart was on the Bears. Right, you had, you had everybody. Yeah, no, no. Look, I, I've told you the Cordell Stewart story. I told it to him once uh, when my uncle passed away. Uh, we found out that it might have been after a particularly excruciating loss to the Vikings, and my cousin in the funeral services attributed it to Cordell Stewart. Wow! Yeah, you told him that story. Yeah. Oh my God! He didn't hit you. No. <laughs> <laughs> Oh my goodness! We, well, you got to frame it right. Yeah, no, I know, but still, hey, you know, he and he blamed you. I mean, I did it. I did it the concise way here oh for God. our special teams podcast. This was oh. not on air. This wow. was. Okay. I was doing bits with him, and uh, you know, mm. but he took uh, it in good humor. Yeah, I, I'm glad he did. I'm glad for you that he did because well, I didn't start cursing him and shaking way. my fist at. But I wouldn't want to hear that story if I would want to hear that. Oh, come on. It's kind of funny. <laughs> but for Tim Couch, I mean, this is what I mean by being the cardiac kid. Couch never lived up to expectations at all. He beats Jacksonville with a Hail Mary pass, right? He beats the Jets with a touchdown pass and a two-point conversion, a crazy-ass two-point conversion in the final minute that I shook my head going, oh, my God, we just lost to the Browns in that way. Um, (laughs) They actually dedicated that game to Al Lerner, the team owner who died very suddenly in the middle of the season. I remember Tim Couch grabbing the football and all the players stood in the middle of the field and held fingers up to the sky. They dedicate that win to him. Uh, But despite all this excitement, Tim Couch, like, like I said, this was his best season, but still it was 18 touchdowns, 18 picks. He gets booed because he just wasn't the quarterback you expect a guy drafted number one overall to be. He had had injury problems. He had never been productive enough. In fact, this season, here's how it started for Tim Couch and the Browns. Couch hurts his elbow, so he can't play the first two games. So backup Kelly Holcomb, who comes into this podcast in a large way in a couple of minutes, winds up starting the first two games. But Kelly Holcomb breaks his leg, so then Couch takes over. Couch plays well enough throughout the course of the season to keep the Browns in playoff contention, but he breaks his leg in the final game. Cleveland still wins thanks to a huge touchdown run from William Green, which is a big run in Browns history. The play-by-play call, run, William, run, helps them win this game, and potentially get into the playoffs. So you had a season that was started by Holcomb because of an injury to couch couch plays. Okay. He gets hurt. Now here comes Kelly Holcomb and the Browns win a game. You think, okay, nine and seven, they make the playoffs, but this was that year where there were so many dominoes that had to fall in the final week for the Browns to make the playoffs because nothing's easy for the Browns, right? They can't just win the final week and make the playoffs, right? They win, they lose their quarterback. They still had to hope that New England would beat Miami in the final week and the Jets would beat Green Bay. If that happened, the Browns make the playoffs. Well, 
New England beats Miami with a field goal, and the Jets just route Green Bay, and so the Browns make the playoffs. And this the is how Jets the, route Green oh, Bay. Oh, we needed to beat them to make it. The Jets needed New England to beat Miami the final week too. And this wasn't like oh, the Patriots in the middle of the Super Bowl run there. No, this was boy Miami. They should win this game. And the Jets were losing to Green Bay early in the first quarter, and everybody in the stands was watching this game uh, between New England and Miami. And New England kicks the field goal to win. The entire crowd goes crazy, and it was during a penalty announcement on the Jets, like a fifteen yard penalty on the Jets and you hear the 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 referee go uh we have personal foul on the play 15 yards on the defense and you hear this huge roar go up in the stadium and Jets players after the game said we didn't know what was going on like why are they cheering a big penalty for us then they all got it oh Miami must have (laughs) lost to New England we win this game we make the playoffs and from that point on it was a different game and Can my Jets, signal unleash hell. And the Jets just blow out the Packers. The Jets make the playoffs. This is Chad Pennington in his 2002 year, which was, he was like a video game. Wound up losing the Raiders in the playoffs that year. But it was like a video game. The Jets were in. It was so exciting. And oh, by the way, the Browns make the playoffs as a result of both of these finishes going this way. So typical, this is how the Browns get in the playoffs. Fantastic finishes. Mm. Jets beating the Packers. I, I, I know, and we beat him pretty bad too. We it's another life. Oh, what was it? Forty-two seventeen. Oh yeah, we. Oh, it was awesome. Uh, so now the Browns go into the playoffs with Kelly Holcomb as their quarterback. Now Browns fans aren't so bummed because Holcomb was always someone who was intrigued by Cleveland fans because in spurts and small chances he played pretty well. In the two games he started in two thousand and two, he threw for eight touchdowns and almost eight hundred yards. So this was a guy that the fans and the team thought we know he can give us offense. They were. Excited Excited to have this guy out there to go play. So it's Kelly Holcomb and Tommy Maddox as we get set for a playoff game that was the last time the Browns visited the postseason. How did it go? How did it unfold? We had heroes. We had goats. We had a hero turn into a goat. All coming up next right here on Special Teams. This is it. We've got an Amex Platinum Pro on our hands, ladies and gentlemen. We haven't seen anyone relax like this before in the Centurion Lounge. (sighs) Is he connecting to complimentary Wi-Fi? Oh, my. Look at that. He is. And you will not believe where he's going next. The Amex dedicated card member entrance for the win. Unbelievable. When you get travel perks with Amex Platinum, you're part of the action. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Good sleep should come naturally, and with the new Natural Hybrid mattress, it can. A collaboration between award-winning mattress brand Lisa and home design favorite West Elm, the Natural Hybrid is the culmination of these two companies' shared values. Premium materials, meticulous craftsmanship, and sustainable practices. Made with natural latex, responsibly sourced natural wool, and environmentally safe foams, the Natural Hybrid elevates your sleep sanctuary. Indulge 
indulges your senses and supports a greener tomorrow. Plus, when you purchase the natural hybrid, you're also helping fuel Lisa's work with shelters and those in need. Since 2015, Lisa has donated more than 40,000 mattresses to ensure children and families have a safe place to sleep. Don't put off a good night's sleep any longer. Get a Lisa mattress today for a sound sleep tonight. Visit lisa.com slash iHeart. That's l-e-e-s-a dot com slash iHeart. So we arrive at the AFC wild card game between the Browns and the Steelers. In thrilling fashion, both teams taking different journeys to the postseason. Both teams starting quarterbacks. They didn't think we were going to be starting for them. Week no, one. no, this, not at all. This is where you had two guys who were Jags. They were just guys. And now suddenly here they are starting playoff games. And what a playoff game both of these guys had. Uh, the game starts with Joey Porter getting separated from Cleveland players pregame for joining, which, you know, that's Joey Porter. That's his act. That sounds about right. Uh, but it was Cleveland who came out big. Holcomb is slinging it early on. Kevin Johnson has a huge day, 100 yards receiving. Uh, there's a long completion of Dennis Northcutt to set up a touchdown. More on Dennis Northcutt coming up. Uh, touchdown pass to Northcutt made it 14-0. It was all Cleveland. Tommy Maddox had thrown a couple of picks. Pittsburgh had no momentum at all until Antoine Randall returns a punt for a touchdown to make it 14-7. But clearly this was a game that not many people thought was going to go this way. Because look, Pittsburgh had still won, you know, 10 games. The Browns squeaked in at 9-7 and and here's Kelly Holcomb just throwing the ball all over the field early on. It's, what are the Steelers doing? How are you getting torn up by Kelly Holcomb in this game? Well, and that, that's always the, the wild card because you look at the two games during the regular season, Steelers wins both by three points uh, and both low-scoring affairs, 16-13 and then 23-20, which by NFL standards these days, bah, that's an old grinded-out three yards in a cloud of dust kind of game with some of the pinball scoring we see these days. But, but certainly uh, a, a little bit different, right? Playing Holcomb and, and seeing how they operated the offense versus perhaps, uh, well, what you'd seen from Tim Couch in the past. So maybe just a, a little bit of a, a split there. And then, you know, big plays right off the jump. I mean, your guy out of Syracuse, Kevin Johnson, making the huge play on that opening possession, really kind of a punch in the face to the Steelers. Yeah, th- this was uh, this was unexpected. And after the Steelers get the punt return for a touchdown by Randall L, you think, okay, maybe they'll settle back in the game. No, this is more attacking by the Browns. Uh, Northcutt has a big 60-yard punt return, sets up a touchdown pass to him, 24-7. The Browns get out to this lead, and Northcutt has a huge day. He goes for 6-92 and two touchdowns. Kind of stick a pin in that for now because Dennis Northcutt comes back in a way that Browns fans hear his name and go, Dennis Northcutt, but Holcomb is incredible. I, he is he is just throwing the ball all over the field, and the Steelers don't have a prayer of stopping him. You know, you watch the, the tape of this game, and watching this game after as we're getting ready to do this podcast, I'm going, boy, the Steelers really laid off in coverage. You know, they, mm-hmm. they, they found, you know, Holcomb was able to find spots and, and find, and he was accurate as hell that day. He was great, but I felt like the Steelers could have been much more 
aggressive and gone after him, especially when you see this is how we're going to win the game. We're, we're not going to win by running the football. And, and I thought maybe they could have dialed things up a little bit better and made life more difficult for him, but it didn't matter. He's comfortable. He's throwing the football and, and, and the Browns can do no wrong at this point. Well, and that's, I mean, that was the hallmark of those Steeler defenses still is right. They're usually among the league leaders in sacks here. They got to hold them once. I mean, that that's a pretty big deal when he drops back 43 times and you're only able to register one sack and really pressure uh, was not consistent at all. He had time to work downfield and find the creases for, for Northcutt to have himself a game. Andre Davis with a big catch uh, as well. A little bit of yak and already mentioned, you know, Kevin Johnson with that early catch. He, I mean, he finished with 140 yards himself mm-hmm. on four big plays. So, I mean, you're, you're looking at working the ball downfield. Normally, you don't have time against the Pittsburgh defense. So, credit the Cleveland offensive line for being able to hold up and let them stand tall. Yeah, so here are the Steelers who are an eight-point favorite, and suddenly now with the numbers, you're going, man, I'm up 33-7. I'm feeling pretty good. Yeah, you're feeling pretty good about that, aren't you? Uh, one thing about this game, the field was really torn up. And it was to the point where you could see players having uh, struggling to find purchase and find footing that never bodes well for a defense, never bodes well for really trying to run the football either. It bodes well for the passing game because the old adage is the offense knows where the ball is going. The defense doesn't. And this is why you had huge games from both Maddox and Kelly Holcomb. But here's where things changed. And the Browns with all kinds of momentum driving for what likely would have been the final nail in the coffin touchdown. It's too big a lead. The Steelers are not going to come back. Kelly Holcomb throws a pick in Pittsburgh territory. And this is where Tommy Maddox heats up. You talked about the Browns protecting Holcomb the way they did in the first half into the second half in this game. This is where things changed for the Steelers. As Tommy Maddox, I don't think the Browns were able to sniff him during the second half of this game. They tried blitzing him. They tried laying off. They tried putting guys in coverage. It didn't matter. Maddox had all kinds of time to make all kinds of throws, whether it was Plaxico Burris, Heinz Ward, Randall L. It didn't matter. Slowly but surely, Maddox would maneuver his way down the field and the Steelers get back in this game. And again, watching this game, you go, man, the Browns just couldn't figure out a way. Neither defense really figured out a way how to stop the other offense, but it was more pronounced in the second half for the Steelers because Tommy Maddox was just throwing darts all over the field. Started to find his stride to put a little bow on the Steelers uh, stat total. They were third in the NFL with 50 sacks that year. Yet Kelly Holcomb stood tall here in this playoff game. <laughs> now, uh, from there, we, we look at that drive, right? The seven of eight, 70 yards. They had one running play to Amos Zeraway, uh for Famous Amos Zeraway. Yeah, we'll get him in later. Uh, sure. we'll, we'll find out what he's up to. Uh, but Maddox to Ward, to Jeremy Tooman, to Randall L. Spreading it around. Finally, Burris with the touchdown. All of a sudden, you know, you get a little bit of in Cleveland. You go, wait a minute, we've had a good run. Uh, and now you've, you're down four minutes remaining in the third quarter. And, and suddenly there's a little bit more of the pressure to get out and, and make plays. Showing also, you know, how long ago this is. But... Uh, Showing the longevity of kickers if you can do your job when you can see mm-hmm. Phil Dawson's oh, name yeah. <laughs> uh, in the box score. Uh, he went to went to school in Texas, was a you know a guy that they had great 
great uh, hope for uh, because, well, he was automatic. Ah, just let Phil come and do it. Uh, and there he was for Cleveland for all those years. No matter what the Browns did, they couldn't stem the tide of the Steelers. All right. Burris catches that touchdown, makes a 24-14. Browns kick a field goal. Tooman catches a touchdown pass from Tommy Maddox. The Browns get a touchdown pass from Holcomb to Andre Davis. It's 33-21, and the Browns are thinking, okay, we've done enough. We're putting them away. But no, the Steelers get down the field, and Maddox throws a touchdown pass to Heinz Ward that cuts it to 33-28 with three minutes left in the game. Now, if you're the Browns, okay, You've given this lead away. You can't stop Tommy Maddox. you got to hold on to the football and not give it back. This is how you're going to win the game. This is what comes down to what is commonly known as the most famous drop pass in Cleveland Browns history. <laughs> There's 249 left on the clock, and the Browns couldn't run the football all day. All right, just let me just give let me give you this before we set up Dennis Northcutt. William Green, who was the number one running back on the team, we had the big touchdown run we told you in the final week of the regular season. His stats on the day were 25 carries for 30 yards. Grind grind clock, yeah. 25 carries for 30 yards. Here's the best part. He had a 23-yard carry. So that means (laughs) his other 24 carries amounted seven yards. Seven yards. He had a 23-yard run. But the other 24 carries went for seven yards. Now well, you tried to grind a lot of clocks, Smith. Come yeah, on. but at some point, don't you realize, okay, we're just we're just giving plays away? Don't you? <laughs> don't, we're well. just giving plays away. Hey, Holcomb, you just run it straight into the line. You can get more than the one-eighth of a yard that William Green is getting. So you like to think that maybe they knew we have to outscore Pittsburgh, right? We, we can't just keep running the football and grinding clock. At some point, you would think they would disband the run. I'd say, all right, it's just—it's really just not going to happen for us today. It really isn't. But no, they kept giving the ball to William Green, and 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 maybe this could have been a game where if they don't commit to the run that much, we talk about Kelly Holcomb and his six touchdowns and the Browns' fifty-one thirty-three win over the Steelers. But instead, we're talking about a thirty-six thirty-three loss. You're looking for one of those Derek Anderson. Uh, Crazy games from 2007. That was a couple <laughs> years later. He and Braylon Edwards against Cincinnati, but not, it went for nothing. Big thing to circle out of the box score here is that William Green, for all his touches, had two receptions, right? Jamel White had five catches out of the backfield. But this is where if you're starting tailback and catch the ball at all, you know, you can at least open it up and maybe get him a little running room <laughs> at another time, but uh, not so fast here. So 33-28 on the road, Cleveland needs a first down to basically run out the clock. Again, 249 on the clock, it's third and 12. Holcomb, who has been throwing the football incredibly well, he winds up with a 400-yard day throwing the football, finds Dennis Northcutt wide open. This is when Dennis Northcutt was on the cusp of potentially becoming one of the great game breakers in the NFL because he was fast. He was able to get separation on the football. He looked like he could become one of the great weapons. There's no one behind him. No one behind Dennis Northcutt who cuts from the middle of the field towards the sideline. But he turns around a little too quickly like he's expecting to get hit. Holcomb puts the football right where he has to. It's a perfect pass. And Northcutt's going to catch this pass, turn it upfield, and get another 10 or 15 yards. So suddenly the game is basically over because they're going to be well on the Steelers' side of the 50-yard line with a first down, getting down to the two-minute warning. Except because he turns a little bit too fast like he's expecting to get hit, 
He drops the football. It falls right through his arms, and the Browns have to punt on fourth down. It was like the life got breathed back into Heinz Field. Maddox slices the Browns up and down the field for a go-ahead touchdown and two-point conversion, and they take a 36-33 lead with just under a minute left to go. Chris Fumatu Mafala. Never, yeah. Thurman would always say he's a bad mafala. Uh, takes the touchdown in for the lead, and then Jeremy Tooman actually catches a pass from Randall L. Because remember, this is a big play for the Gadgetry, Yeah, they would always have Randall L., who was a college quarterback at Indiana, throw passes through a very famous touchdown pass uh, in the Super Bowl. And Randall L. throws the two point conversion to Jeremy Tooman, so it's a three point lead from Pittsburgh with just under a minute left to go. But the Browns are getting the football back. I want to circle back to that possession for the Browns, though, with the just under three minutes remaining. You had a play before the North Cut play where Quincy Morgan waiting forever for the ball to get there. Washington's able to get a hand in and separate him. Ball gets out quicker from Kelly Holcomb. You got a big play, and the Steelers are in trouble. Following play, yeah, obviously, uh, they're looking around in the old, let me start pumping my fists, looking for a flag that never comes. Holcomb, incredulous, staring down the official and kind of staring blankly into the Steeler crowd, which is now whipped into a frenzy. And you go to the Alcoa Fantastic finishes here. Alcoa presents fantastic finishes. Nah, yeah. So, you know, and in television presented, you make the call. I mean, all our, our childhood wrapped up here in the excitement of a playoff game that involves the Cleveland Browns. Uh, but yes, the opportunity inside of a minute, down three. And a crowd that was dormant for much of the game. It's cold. It's miserable. And now it's all on the arm of Kelly Holcomb. This is where you'd expect, okay, the Browns are going to fold. This is where it just got too much for them. They couldn't make the plays. No, no. In true Browns fashion, we're going to get you even closer to the end before we break your heart again. Because it turns (laughs) out the Browns maybe just needed one more second on the clock to potentially win this game. Holcomb takes the Browns down the field. Takes a little bit of time to uh, snap the ball after the Browns get a first down with 31 seconds left. So there's 12 seconds go by from the Browns first down until Holcomb snaps the ball. Now, they could have spiked the ball, could have done anything, but Holcomb calls for a play and completes a pass. Northcutt makes a big play, and they have the ball at Pittsburgh's 46-yard line with seven seconds left. I know it's too far for a field goal, even for Phil Dawson on this field, so they have to try to get a little bit closer and get out of bounds. This is what I mean by one more second. Seven seconds left. Holcomb fades back, and he throws a pass to Andre King, who catches the ball near the sideline, Pittsburgh's 30-yard line. This is typical Browns, and this is the Browns franchise in a nutshell. Holcomb completes the pass, and Andre King is open. But King has to stop. He can't keep going because it's an out pattern towards the sideline. He has to stop for the football, and as a result, he loses his footing. So he goes down on one knee to catch the ball. So now he's got to get up and run out of bounds because that's where the ball was. So Holcomb throws him the pass, but he can't catch it in stride or catch it standing up where he could maybe get out of bounds a little bit faster. So he's got to get up. He dives towards the sideline. 
sideline, doesn't get there in time. Clearly, he doesn't get there. So even though it's a first down, the clock runs out. The Steelers win the game 36-33. They go on in the playoffs. Had the Browns had one more second on the clock, he dives out of bounds, and Phil Dawson's trying to kick a 47-yard field goal to send the game to overtime. Had Holcomb been able to throw the ball a little bit towards the sideline and Andre King not slip, they get out of bounds. Maybe they're kicking a field goal. That's how close it was for the Browns. But instead, they go out with a 36-33 loss despite Holcomb having a game of games, 429 yards and three touchdowns. It was a big game for Tommy Maddox as well. Maddox is over 300 yards. He throws for 343. It was up and down an aerial show. And the Steelers just had enough and the Browns lose and, you know, what has been Browns fashion now over the past few years. Oftentimes you can't win that third game against the team, right? Oh, they beat them twice in a row. No, they beat them three times during the season, each a three-point win. I mean, that is the uh, ultimate in flipping off a divisional opponent uh, as you roll through. But, you know, one of those, could you have communicated with the referee that I'm going to catch it in the middle of the field and give myself up, so blow the whistle? Well, it doesn't matter because the the clock's it's not going to start stop. with another second anyway. Yeah, it's only yeah, one it's more it's more just the philosophical of yeah. all right. What can we do here uh, to try to buy ourselves some time? Oh no, he's broken. Uh, <laughs> stop the clock <laughs> and then run Dawson out there. But yeah, the field was an absolute quagmire. It looked like they'd had Lollapalooza uh, out there on Heinz Field. Uh, before the game, but just uh, an amazing effort from two quarterbacks that are, you know, footnotes uh, to, to history in in a lot of ways, right? I mean, Kelly Holcomb's right now the the answer to a trivia question in Cleveland. Baker Mayfield hoping to take that mantle from him as a playoff quarterback uh, for Kevin Stefanski and, and company, and and Tommy Maddox. Oh, he's not just the guy that won you a lot of money in the XFL. (laughs) So how did it go for Tommy Maddox and Kelly Holcomb, both of them at the tops of their professions? Well, coming up next, we'll tell you why moments in the sun can be a year, a month, or even one game. What happened next to both of these teams and both of these quarterbacks? That's next on Special Teams. This is it. We've got an Amex Platinum Pro on our hands, ladies and gentlemen. We haven't seen anyone relax like this before in the Centurion Lounge. Is he connecting to complimentary Wi-Fi? Oh, my. Look at that. He is. And you will not believe where he's going next. The Amex dedicated card member entrance for the win. Unbelievable. When you get travel perks with Amex Platinum, you're part of the action. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details.
Good sleep should come naturally, and with the new Natural Hybrid mattress, it can. A collaboration between award-winning mattress brand Lisa and home design favorite West Elm, the Natural Hybrid is the culmination of these two companies' shared values, premium materials, meticulous craftsmanship, and sustainable practices. Made with natural latex, responsibly sourced natural wool, and environmentally safe foams, the Natural Hybrid elevates your sleep sanctuary. Indulge your senses and supports a greener tomorrow. Plus, when you purchase the natural hybrid, you're also helping fuel Lisa's work with shelters and those in need. Since 2015, Lisa has donated more than 40,000 mattresses to ensure children and families have a safe place to sleep. Don't put off a good night's sleep any longer. Get a Lisa mattress today for a sound sleep tonight. Visit lisa.com slash iHeart. That's l-e-e-s-a dot com slash iHeart. What was now next for both of these teams after this legendary playoff game? Well, for the Steelers, they lost to the Titans the next week. They were eliminated from the playoffs 34-31, but... Maddox played really well again. So now the Steelers, after all these years, and Tommy Maddox being 47 years old, finally feels like he's the answer to the Steelers' prayers at quarterback. But in 2003, it fell apart for him. Pittsburgh finished just 6-10. and 10. It was their first losing season at Heinz Field. In fact, it was the most recent losing season by Pittsburgh up until current times. All right, that's yeah. an amazing run when you say we don't have a losing season back to 2003. But, <laughs> but yeah, but you, you match it up with the Browns. They don't get back to the yeah, no, no, it's, yeah. Steelers don't have another losing no, season. Yeah, I know. Exactly. Yeah, I mean, that, 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 that was, that's kind of where. Uh, but so after that, even though Maddox was okay in 2003, Pittsburgh knew, all right, we need a change. We need, we need to get something else going on here on offense. So they draft Ben Roethlisberger in the first round of 2004. Tommy Maddox wasn't happy, but they renegotiated his contract before week one because you can tell, all right, Roethlisberger is going to be the future out of Miami of Ohio, but is he ready? He's young. He's raw. Maddox still played pretty well last year, but Pittsburgh offense was only ranked 22nd in the league, so the Steelers knew he needed a change. Maddox starts the season but hurts his elbow in the second game. Ben Roethlisberger comes in and, well, he hasn't given up the job since. He leads Pittsburgh to the AFC Championship against New England as a rookie. Maddox would then back up Roethlisberger in 2005 and got to play a little bit, but Bill Cowher really wasn't a fan of Maddox's anymore. In fact, at one point, he got demoted to third string behind Charlie Batch. Uh, Pittsburgh didn't win the Super Bowl over Seattle, but it's Roethlisberger at quarterback. Maddox, who wins a Super Bowl ring, decides to not go to the White House with his teammates and never played in the NFL again. That's how it ended in a whirlwind for Tommy Maddox. You think he's the future right now. A year later, you lose your job to Ben Roethlisberger. You wind up with a Super Bowl ring, and suddenly you never play in the NFL again after that. I mean, that that's that's the NFL for you. Drafted in 1992, leaves the league, comes back, is an insurance salesman, has incredible highs. Then they draft another guy to replace you. You get money in a contract renegotiation, and then you're out of the league. I mean, that's some kind of journey. He had a good run, man. To be able to come back a couple of times, I mean, that's one of those feel-good stories of redemption and reclaiming uh, the career you never had in Denver. That's not too bad. And let's face it, uh, you can sign Super Bowl champion uh, underneath yeah, your name. Yeah, forever. Yeah. That's that's big for him. Hey, what'd you play that year? Get bent. 
Get get out of here. <laughs> I mean, that the, the Tommy Maddox, I mean, begat Ben Roethlisberger. We're taking this guy in the first round. And, you know, you got to give the Steelers credit because they knew when to pull the plug on Cordell because Cordell never really went on to do anything else in the NFL. They knew when to pull the plug on Tommy Maddox because they got Ben Roethlisberger, and here they are, no losing season since Tommy Maddox was the quarterback. That's the trivia question he's an answer to. Who was the starting quarterback the last losing season of the Steelers? Oh, that's Tommy Maddox. Oh, all right, great. So, you know, the Steelers knew when to make those moves. Meanwhile, for the Browns, things went a little bit differently because they had a lot of excitement. Look, they lose this game, but look, hey, the Browns are back and maybe Kelly Holcomb is the next Dan Marino. And open competition the following year for the starting quarterback job in Cleveland. Holcomb wins it, but he winds up getting hurt, and that lets Tim Couch start some games. But it really didn't matter because Tim Couch at that point goes from number one overall pick in the draft to having his NFL career, the end of it, staring him in the face. He was waived after the following year due to arm injuries, and he never played in the NFL again. Now, partly for Tim Couch, boy, you think, boy, if he was able to stay healthy, but still, he had a long time to establish himself in the National Football League. Could he have hung on as a backup for a lot of years? Yeah, he could have done that because he played well enough as a starter to say, okay, you get a guy with starting experience who can stay in the NFL as a backup, but those arm injuries, Tim Couch was the, the present, the future. Then he was out, and suddenly the Browns wanted to turn to Kelly Holcomb, and it didn't work out for Holcomb, which we're going to get to but for Tim Couch it was boy this was the ride for him out of the National Football League where you look back and go it wasn't that long ago he was the 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 face of our franchise and in a year that he really got us to the playoffs because it's not like Kelly Holcomb was phenomenal all season long I mean the Browns the the teeth of the season Tim Couch played well enough to get the Browns to the cusp of the playoffs and and they wind up getting in and you think okay finally it's here for the guy his moment is here now and it just never even happened for him he couldn't even win the job going into the next year yeah I mean you look at his career poster boy for the return of football to Cleveland all the hype right so much excitement uh and branding around him and then you you look at the overall career marks uh 64 touchdowns 67 INTs a number of comeback attempts uh including uh, a cup of coffee with the Jaguars uh as a practice squad guy the Packers had a tryout with the Bears just go on down the line. It was the, all right, he was the number one overall pick. One of us is going to be able to figure out what, what the deal is, right? Workouts in Miami, Pittsburgh, Houston, and Tennessee. I mean, just think about that. Yeah. The number of looks, the, the bangles uh, going all the way through because you had John Kitten and whether he was going to come back or not at that point. And then uh, eventually with the Philadelphia Soul hanging out with John Bon Jovi. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, a lot of different things uh, on the career, owing to the fact that if you're a guy selected that high, there's always that curiosity of, is it is it a mental thing? Is it a system thing? Is it a communication thing? Who's going to be the guy? And, and everybody thinks they're the smartest guy in the room, that they're going to figure out what that missing piece is uh, and give him the career based on what you saw all those years ago at Kentucky. But for Kelly Holcomb, that was as good as it was going to get. He goes into 2003, 30-year-old starting quarterback, and Cleveland fans are expecting all kinds of great things. This from a guy who, after his first year in the NFL in 1997 with the Colts, was out of the league until the Browns brought him back in 2001. So he kind of had the same kind of 
Tommy Maddox journey to the NFL, but hey, maybe he's got it. Maybe it just took him a little bit of time. He hadn't played a lot in the NFL, but he really underwhelmed in 2003. He started eight games. As we said, he had injury problems, 10 touchdowns, 12 picks, and his moment in the sun had ended. He went on to start a handful of games for the Bills and the Minnesota Vikings a couple of years later, but was out of the league in 2007. This is what I mean by sometimes your moment in the sun as a quarterback can be a year, it can be a month, it can be a game. But that hype behind Kelly Holcomb, hey, he's he lives forever in Cleveland because of what he did being that quarterback. No one blames him for the loss. He played as well as you could possibly play as a quarterback in the playoff, but this is how it goes sometimes, and sometimes guys are backups for a reason. Sometimes guys never get a chance, and they show you how good they can be. But here's Kelly Holcomb. It's like his whole career built towards this game, and then after this game, it slowly just built away. Kind of like uh, one of those curves where it gets all the way up to the middle, and then it slowly comes down like a mountain curve, because that's really what Kelly Holcomb's was. He didn't have no zero highlights after this game, but still, it wasn't nearly what it was, and it was slowly the downward trajectory to the end of his career. Yeah, but he gets to have the wall of jerseys including the barcelona dragons in the world league i mean right you got that the bucks the colts the browns the bills he never played for him but he can add an eagles one when he got traded there you got the vikings and eventually retires i mean that's a pretty good run that's not a bad run at all for a guy out of middle tennessee state mm. right who for his career i mean here's his senior year ready 2,154 yards, 15 touchdowns, nine interceptions. <laughs> is he finding the NFL at any point at this point in time with those kind of stats? No. Uh, his junior year, seven touchdowns, six picks, and 1,700 yards. Nine touchdowns, six picks, 1,400 yards as a sophomore. No chance he's ever getting a sniff. But here was able to be in the league uh, with – you know, 5,900 career yards, 39 touchdowns, 38 picks. And over the course of 12, 13 years, cup of coffee and a number of stops and still holding the distinction as being the last <laughs> Cleveland playoff quarterback. I'll take it. Now, normally we finish with where are they now? But Mike has already told you about what happened to some of the players. And this really should be the coda to this story for the Cleveland Browns, because as the Browns now are looking for answers at quarterback and different positions across the board, Butch Davis, who also holds the distinction as the most recent head coach to take the Browns to the playoffs because of this game in 2003, was out as Browns head coach during the 2004 season, Butch Davis, who had succeeded greatly at Miami and did great things to get the Browns to the playoffs in 2002, just a short year and a half later, he is out as he resigns following a 58-48 loss to the Cincinnati Bengals, right? The, the offense plays well. The defense just gets uh, rooked up and down the field. So he resigns. There's a bit of a discrepancy over whose idea it was. Was it Butch Davis resigning under pressure? Was he told to resign? Or was this Butch Davis saying, listen, I am done. I can't do this anymore. Because, look, after the 2002 season, the Browns hadn't really played that well. And Butch Davis was in charge of the franchise, in charge of a lot of the personnel decisions. And things weren't going well. But it was still a surprise that he resigned in the middle of the season with a 3-8 and eight record. The Browns will tell you that this was completely Butch Davis. Team President John Collins said this was Butch's decision. I'm personally disappointed. But he had his agent, 
call the Browns and say that there was a lot of pressure that he felt from the fans and the media. So wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. Was Did the Browns tell him to resign and they're playing it off like it was his idea? Or was Butch Davis really under too much pressure from the fans and the media to continue on as Browns head coach? Can you imagine that headline now, Mike? A, a coach resigning in the middle of the season. Why? Well, the fans and the media are on my case, so I'm stepping down. Oh, my goodness. How would you spin that? Like, if that's the story that gets out, there's no coming back from that. I don't think you could. Right? I mean, because think about the time frame that we're at here. This is, I mean, the internet is churning. I was in the middle of my run at Yahoo. I was starting to write full time and starting to do some video hits and, and what have you, and maybe an occasional radio spot. But, like, it, it was nowhere near. We didn't have all these social media spheres where there's no chance you're able to pull that back as soon as word like that gets out forget about it there's no one ringing that bell he i mean he's only coached at north carolina and fiu since right so never at the top of the game like he was in miami in the collegiate ranks but you're not getting another coaching job anywhere i mean you left because the the fans were meeting you Come on. I mean, he sent his his wife and his kid back to Florida after he was booed off the field after they lost to the Jets. They lost the home game to the Jets 10 7. Of course, it comes back to the Jets. And it, it always does. Everything comes back to the Jets. And he had to send his family away. Listen, it's too it's too much right now with what's going on with, with, with the pressure on me. So he sends his family back to Florida because it was it was growing in Cleveland what's going to happen with Butch Davis and maybe because he resigned the way he did maybe because he needed a break i mean he doesn't coach again for another 3 years and as you said it's north carolina where he returns to i mean this this should have been hey butch davis finishes the year it's not working he resigns or they fire him and hey i'm going to go someplace big and coach but he was out of the game for 3 years after this yeah just curious right of I would love a little, um, I don't need a full 30 minutes on it, but give me a segment. What the hell happened? I mean, what really happened in that? I mean, was was something brewing at home that you needed to attend to, right? Did, did the booing uh, of dad, you know, cause some, some issues? And, and I mean, what was there more than booing? I mean, we know fans can get a bit uh, unruly, Hell, we have thick glass because of Cleveland fans uh, reacting to some some words out of the uh, studios that we work out of. So, you know, there, there's certainly, you know, a, a lot more to that. But for Butch Davis, I mean, I'm sitting here. I've got a case of mini helmets from my days in Northern California in front of me where they had the East West Shrine game all those years. You know, got a chance to meet Brady coming out of Michigan and, you know, always had these great coaches. And Butch Davis came one year. Great conversation i uh, still have a, a nice beautiful mini helmet signed by him that's part of the uh, the archives uh, of another lifetime ago uh but always thought he'd be back on top somewhere but the media and fan thing uh certainly puts the uh and smashes that down so butch davis the future was so bright for him in the browns and a year and a half later, after a lot of his personalized draft picks that he made really underperformed, including we mentioned William Green, but there were other guys he picked too that just never really 
stepped mm-hmm. up and 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 made headway in the NFL. And you're going to need that. You can't keep drafting guys early on that don't wind up progressing. They at least you know? have to be uh, contributors, right? They don't have to be stars in every case, but you at least need guys, you know, in those middle rounds that are at least functional, rotational guys on the defensive side of things. I mean, look at what happened in. All those years, we talk about the Seahawks a lot as a benchmark of how an organization is to be run. Uh, And yes, they got more stars, but you at least had most of the back end draft picks at least sticking on a roster. Here in Cleveland, it just became uh, a yearly running joke of, all right, we're going to draft 10. Uh, What's the percentage to stick around this year, right? And all the way through 2018, you finally have the quote unquote breakthrough. And that's a seven, eight and one season. This was the last Browns performance <laughs> in the playoffs in team history. Performance. Typical Browns, though, right? I mean, this is this is Browns. It's typical Browns. I mean, that, that's take, how it Take you that. to the edge, think that you're uh, about to get over, uh, and then have that rug taken out from underneath you. Absolutely. Oh. So that was it. Uh, now, Baker Mayfield, good luck. This is this is the season you have to live up to, the topsy-turvy 2003 campaign for the Cleveland Browns. Uh, if you have an idea for a future episode of Special Teams, hey, hit us up on Twitter at HowAboutAFresca or at Swollen Dome, Jason Smith, Mike Harmon. Our show is heard every night, radio show on Fox Sports Radio, 10 p.m. to 2 a.m. on the East Coast, 7 to 11 on the West Coast. If you like what you heard here, give us five stars. Make sure you rate us on your way out we'll talk to you next week and oh by the way if you didn't like what we said give us five stars anyway before you go rate and review the show whether you're listening on iHeartRadio, iHeartRadio apps apple whatever it is give us a rate tell us you like it we will love you forever and ever and ever Special Teams is a production of iHeartRadio. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real Steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. There's no distance too far for the perfect trip. Hi, checking in for... Or the perfect table. Hey, where are you? Coming! And when you get access to Resi Priority Notify with your Amex Platinum card... Hey, this looks amazing. I'm so glad you made it and travel benefits at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel, it's worth the trip. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Tired of restless nights? At Lisa, we know good sleep is essential for mental, physical, and emotional health. From memory foam mattresses to hybrids that keep you cool all night long, Lisa's mattresses offer exceptional comfort and support with free delivery and 100 nights to try out your mattress in the comfort of your home. For a limited time, save up to $700 off select mattresses plus two free pillows. Go to lisa.com slash iHeart for an additional $50 off mattresses and select goods. Exclusions apply. See lisa.com for more details.